This is Dr. Kate Eckert with the Form, Function, and Flow Lab podcast. I'm a chiropractor, yoga instructor, anatomy junkie, and movement educator. And I am looking forward to exposing you to all sorts of ways that you can prehab your body to avoid injury and maintain those hobbies, activities, sports that you love to do. And we'll also be focusing a lot on the pregnant and postpartum journey and making sure that you can return to those activities that you love or even keep doing them while you're pregnant. Hi, this is Dr. Kate, and this is the Form Function and Flow Lab podcast. And today I am going to talk a little bit about why they're not just a cookie cutter set of exercises that are going to help you recover from your diastasis recti. So if you don't know what a diastasis recti is, that would be the splitting of your abdomen right down that center line from your sternum down to your pubic bone. That can often happen most of the time when we're pregnant and sometimes it doesn't just heal on its own. So this uh, important thing to note is that it's not just pregnant specific. I have lots of men in the office that have diastasis recti as well. It could be from lifting something that's too heavy. It could be from rapid weight gain. It could be from a variety of things. Basically a diastasis is a pressure problem. So you have an unequal amount of intra-abdominal pressure or just a mass like a baby in that area. It's too much for that linea alba, which is that center line, that fascial line down your center. And then you have some thinning of that and it loses its integrity. It can split and then we are not able to manage that pressure even at even better than before. Um, Another cool thing to note with that is that most newborns are born with a diastasis recti. If you notice your newborn when they're learning how to lift their legs and lift their head and roll over, they're going to have that doming down the center line. That is a diastasis recti. Almost all of them have it. And as they get stronger through learning those fundamental um, developments, first, they just start with breathing. They've been in utero. They're out in the world. They're breathing, breathing, breathing. They're learning to get that 360-degree expansion of their ribs. Their diaphragm learns how to engage, helps them learn how to regulate their intra-abdominal pressure. Now they're strong enough to lift their legs, lift their arms. Then they start to rock side to side. Then we have rolling. Then we have coming up onto side, uh, side oblique sit. Then they make it their way to their belly and there's that, there's a whole progression. And that's what DNS is based off of a lot of their exercises is putting people through those fundamental milestones that we do as newborns to help us peel back the layers of whatever asymmetries daily real life has given us and try to um, get back to the basics. So that's a a good way to think about DNS. And um, so that's how babies heal their diastasis recti is going through those milestones. And that's why it's important to not put your baby in a seat. So this is not what this podcast episode is about, but that's why it's important not to put your baby in a 
um, walker, not to put them in a bumbo seat because you want them to hit those milestones in that pattern because you want them to heal their diastasis on their own. You want them to make sure they crawl for a long time to get that brain benefit. Um, but that's a another rant, I guess. Um, so if you've done it once, if you fixed your diastasis once as a newborn, you can definitely um, bring about some positive change again after you've had a baby. And even if you are 20 years postpartum or more, you can still bring about positive change um, after, after a certain amount of time. Um, so now lots of times people just be like, can you give me just a few exercises uh, to help with diastasis? And there are exercises out there that can, you know, very generally help with diastasis. And for everyone, I would suggest starting with breathing, which no one likes to hear. They usually want to jump into something difficult and um, suffer that makes them feel like they're getting somewhere. And sometimes breathing and taking the time to do that um, is frustrating because it doesn't feel like you're doing enough. Um, so there, after you get actually do some breath work and even breath work can be tailored to that person to help them more specifically. Um, in a post podcast previously, I talked about, are you breathing correctly? And I talked about the infrasternal angle and what does that tell us? Um, now if you're having a diastasis problem, that splitting of the abs, if you're, if your infrasternal angle, which would be the angle of your rib cage in the front. So you, you take a Crayola marker, washable, and trace the border of the ribs. Is it less than 90 degrees or greater than 90 degrees? That tells us something. Um, so if it's greater than 90 degrees, you're probably more likely internal abdominal oblique um, geared. And if you're narrower than 90 degrees, you're probably leaning towards that external abdominal oblique. Um, and that's going to change how we look at uh, what we're working on. And another thing would be is where is your diastasis? Is it above your belly button? Is it at your belly button or is it below? Cause that also will tweak where, how, where, and how we do your exercises. So every, not, there's not a one size fits all, um, exercise program for diastasis. Uh, and as I, right now I'm going through a four month, uh, course with Dr. Sarah Duval. She's a pelvic floor PT and her very intensive course is all on pregnancy and postpartum corrective exercise. And she draws from DNS, which I'm very familiar with, but she also draws from PRI, which is another type of rehab technique that deals with breath work. And it just looks at it through a different lens. And I find that it's so helpful to see 
the same kind of material, but just given in a different way. And you always pick up new and interesting things when you're seeing it from a different person's perspective, a different way to describe it to a patient, a different way to look at how to orient your exercises. So it's been really helpful. And I'm always looking to you know, expand my knowledge base and be able to bring more for to the table for my patients. Um, but she has a lot of great things on how the rib cage is oriented and how we want to switch the exercises around for what is specifically going on for that patient. Um, and sometimes the things that you have to ask people to do are not going to be something they want to do. A lot of times, if you have that real cinched in waist where it kind of drastically dents in and your belly button dents in, it's like almost like you've been chronically drawing your navel to your spine. That can be a sign that you tend to suck in all the time. And that can be like the pressures of society makes you want to um, have that flat stomach, have that narrow waist. The like kicker of that is when you chronically draw your belly button in, we often get this terrible lower belly pooch because you're cinching yourself in at the waist and then the pressure has to go somewhere. It's either A, going to go down towards your pelvic floor, cause pelvic floor issues or prolapse, or and then you get like a pooching of your um, lower abs. And that would be a turning off or uh, not able to tap into those lower transverse abdominis. So when we're looking at that, that rib angle that I talked about earlier, that is looking more at what's more active, your internal oblique or your external oblique. And external is the most superficial, internal is the next level, and then transverse is the deepest layer. And if you can have, I think sometimes people think of, okay, this muscle is either tight or weak or strong or loose. You know, they don't, you have to be able to know that there, you can differentiate different parts of the muscle. So you could have a lot of tension and tightening in your middle transverse abdominis where you have that cinched in waist where we're not able to relax it and let it um, fully relax and then contract back and forth. But then you are unable to tap into that lower t transverse abdominis. So you might not be symmetrically tight in your entire transverse abdominis. You might only be tight in one area and then having not even that you're not strong in it, but you're not able to connect to that area. And that inability to connect to the lower transverse abdominis I see a lot in my office is with my patients that have um, C-sections or other abdominal scars to it. So so the chronically drawing the belly button in people and the chronic or in the, the abdominal scar, C-section scar people. Um, another thing with the diastasis recti is that your di no diastasis looks exactly the same and we measure it in two different ways. So we're measuring it width and then depth. And then we're looking for is it... How does the tensegrity or the integrity of 
that linea elbow? How does it feel? Is it super squishy? Does it feel like there's no resistance at all as you press on it? Um, and the width it tells us if we're more oblique and transverse dominant or rectus dominant. Now rectus, we haven't talked about a lot, but that is where your linea alba is. So the rectus abdominis is that six pack muscle and it goes from the sternum rib area all the way down to the pubic bone. And when you engage it, if you had a diastasis that was wide, um, but had a lot of good feedback and it wasn't super squishy, you would be able to work on rectus to draw that width together. So if your diastasis is really wide, but you can firm it up pretty well, that means your inner abs are working a little bit better and you might just need to work on rectus a little bit, which is totally foreign to people because rectus is often seen as a, as a cause of making diastasis worse. So it all just depends on the person. Um, where along the linea alba that uh, issues at, um, what your rib angle is, um, what your diastasis is, width versus depth. And another thing is that when somebody has tried to rush the, the um, drawing together of the diastasis and they do it too quickly and um, really work on cinching in the waist, there's nowhere else for the pressure to go except down and down means onto your pelvic floor. So there definitely have been times out there when somebody has rushed their diastasis rehab and then ended up with a prolapse. So that's something we want to work so that the core is getting worked symmetrically and we're able to manage that pressure properly with our pelvic floor because they do talk to one another. It's the same idea as when I said, please don't use a waist trainer for longer than maybe right after you've had a C-section and you just need to be able to have some stability to get around your house. When you use that waist trainer and it draws you in and cinches you in really harshly, then the pressure is going to go somewhere. And that somewhere could very likely be your pelvic floor or as a prolapse, um, that kind of thing. So when we're thinking diastasis and prolapse, they're similar in that your pressure is not managed properly in your canister of your core and it's going to find a place to go and it's going to happen in as as in the form of a diastasis a prolapse that could be a hernia if you have an umbilical hernia for men it, you know I have lots of male patients that have recti or diastasis recti that really struggle and suffer with um, inguinal hernias and hiatal hernias. Hernias are a pressure problem. Prolapse is a pressure problem. Diastasis recti is a pressure problem. And even in, in for that fact, for, with that thought in mind, disc herniations are also a pressure problem. If you can't manage your intra-abdominal pressure well, you are at risk for having one of those kind of pressure problems. So it 
would be good for everyone to um, be mindful and know where do their biases lead them. Are they more of an upper ab gripper? Do they favor external obliques? Do they favor internal obliques? And then try to do some exercises that balance that out so that they don't end up with a pressure problem because none of them are really that great. Um, None are super fun to fix, but that is my little spiel as to why I can't really give you just a cookie cutter. Here are the exercises that work for all diastasis recti. It's trial and error. It is dependent on what you as a person are having going on. And yeah, so if you have any questions, let me know. I love to talk about this stuff and I will let you know when I learn new stuff. It's uh, a lot to do a bunch of continuing ed um, on top of work, but I love it and I want to keep, you know, progressing and being as on top of things as possible in this field. So see you next week. I look forward to working with you guys. And if you have any topics that you'd like discussed, make sure to comment below and let me know because I'd be happy to share all the knowledge that I have on those issues.